Ho, ho, ho! Greetings from the North Pole, and welcome to Money MD! We're giving presents to all the boys and girls for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We've been making a list and checking it twice and delivering common sense solutions to all your complex problems. Naughty or nice. And now, here are my delightful elves. Oh, um, sorry, I mean doctors. Well, John, that was a great introduction, wasn't it? Yeah, Dr. Elf. Impressed with your voice in there. Don't you like that? Dr. Marbert. Yeah, I've been practicing. <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah, that was uh, quite uh, quite interesting. So, yeah, Merry Christmas. Right here, right here, right here in here. the holiday season. I Definitely. love it. Good time of the uh, year. It is a great time of the year. Yeah, well, we got some great uh, topics here to talk about as well today. We're going to start off talking about retirement planning blunders. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of potholes on the road to retirement, John, and you know, we're going to talk about some of them that are easy to step into and how to avoid those. Yeah, that's a good good topic. And, um, you know, as you look into the new year, people really start to, to do some planning. So that really comes into play um, right now. So it's very, very timely. And then we're going to also um, discuss uh, estate planning a little bit. And it's interesting, a little different spin on estate planning. And um, it's the question is, is does your estate plan have a gaping hole and uh, most people think about you know their wealth and and IRAs and so forth, but we're looking at something a little different here. Your 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 beliefs, maybe your values, maybe there's a letter or something that you want to make sure that it is passed on and treasured. So we're going to dive into that a little bit and give you some examples. I like that a more holistic view of your That's estate right. plan. It's not all about money. <clears throat> Very good. There you go. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 22 years of providing financial planning, and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vesta Pro. I have an MBA in finance and I've been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, go to our website, moneymd.net. We have the uh, podcast link, uh, a lot of history there, um, well over 200 now. We have videos that we've uh, shot about different topics um, that, that we hear from uh, quite often. And we also have a Facebook page. Um, go check that out. We have some good good videos. We had a, a good one last week about missingmoney.com. Um, so you can key in your, your last name and go check that out. And we've got, we're have got we going to have another good one this week as well. Absolutely, yeah. And do check us on our website, moneymd.net. Um, as John mentioned, there's a lot of information out there. We have a retirement calculator that you can use to give you a good snapshot of how you're looking for retirement, and a great way to get in touch with us as well. You can link to us there and email us your questions, or you can email us directly at info at moneymd.net. So we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the GAO, which is a government um, it's a government accountability office. And um, Steve, we've seen this stat before, but interesting, every single day next year in 2018, there'll be an estimated 10,100 Americans that turn 65. And this is only the eighth out of 19 years of the baby boomers. So when you look all the way out to 2029, so it's a little bit more than, you know, 11 years out, but 11,500 people per day in 2029 are going to be turning 65 as well. So when you look at why, you know, some of our social systems are stressed, social security, Medicare, it's because there's a lot of people going through the system that are using the services. Yeah, the baby boomer generation is right in the middle, as you mentioned, of uh, the retirement years. You know, so they're just they're hitting retirement every day. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of 
health care and, you know, retirement living yeah, homes and, and all kind of stuff. They're really booming now. And we see that. I mean, we see, you know, just so many people retiring and, um, you know, we, we do help them out with um, planning, which kind of goes into the next topic. Some things you want to make sure you don't do in the in the planning cycle. But we do see people making these mistakes, unfortunately. Exactly. So if you are one of those baby boomers and you're <clears throat> headed into your golden years here, um, here are some of the retirement planning blunders that you want to make sure you avoid. That's what we're going to talk about here. And this is based on an article out of off of CNBC um, here recently. And, you know, the biggest mistake that most men and women make in preparing for retirement is they don't prepare at all. John, they just simply don't do it. And the pitfalls that can come, you know, threatening a successful retirement are many, and the biggest errors are are both psychological and financial. So there's kind of two sides to this. Yeah, the road to retirement is undoubtedly one of the most important moves in your life and one that's fraught with potential potholes. Um, Unfortunately, there are not often any do-overs for retirement. So you will want to make sure you avoid these common blunders on your trip to your golden years. So we're going to start off right here with the first one. That is a lack of clarity on plans. We get many retiring clients who are sort of kind of winging it, John. I mean, they just aren't focused on their finances or their future because, you know, maybe they've been very successful throughout their career and they've managed difficult day-to-day decisions. So now they feel like, you know, they're kind of kicking, kind of coast into retirement and it'll take care of itself. And compared to their challenging careers, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, they don't seem to have a <clears throat> kind of a, they don't seem to place the same importance on retirement that they had on their jobs or their other endeavors. However, you know, it's important to plan and think through all those complex issues before retirement, because there are a lot of complex issues you have to deal with mm-hmm. in yep. retirement. And you want to do that before you punch that golden ticket. So if you have a clear plan for retirement, <clears throat> then you'll likely find yourself um, if you don't have a clear plan, you'll find yourself fraught with anxiety when you no longer have an income or a purpose for your days of leisure. So yeah, you want to make sure you avoid these. Yeah, that's right. When when you can match up that retirement plan income with a budget, it it is it's magic. You know, it takes away a lot of the stress associated with it. So making exactly. sure you have some clarity on that is very important. Also, really refusing to accept planning and and maybe some change. And you know, a lot of people avoid planning like a trip to the dentist. I mean, they they fear the the um, the eventual pain that might come from making some necessary adjustments to get back on track. Maybe you need to you know reduce your spending a little bit, but it's very important to plan for and accept some of these um, corrections that are needed to um, successfully sail into that, you know, retirement harbor that you have out there in front of you. But uh, when you talk about budgets or downsizing, you know, people sometimes shut down. They don't like those words. The B word can be negative, but, you know, it comes with connotations, um, you know, of, of financial restraints or bad news. But the truth is a budget will actually give you some clarity It'll give you some freedom from your finances. And all of a sudden, you'll be able to enjoy spending money because you know that you have, you know, that other piece of the puzzle, which is retirement, kind of taken care of. So it does, it actually does the opposite of what most people think. It actually releases you to spend. Exactly. It lowers anxiety in retirement. Yeah. I mean, having a budget will provide you the necessary information to know where you stand and and where you might need to make adjustments in your spending and your priorities. You know, you don't have to feel like you can no longer enjoy life and your money. It simply provides you the tools to set the priorities and know where you might need to trim back 
this process will give you the peace of mind that you are on track and have a plan. And that gives you the confidence to enjoy your vacations and your fun money without having to worry about, you know, if you're casting caution to the wind mm-hmm. in retirement. <clears throat> so it really is a great thing to 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 do to use in retirement. It will help you. And the next one here, though, is having kind of the do-it-yourself mentality. <clears throat> you know, nothing wrong with having that mentality on things that aren't so important, but you want to be careful when it comes to things that are very important, like retirement planning, because this is another area of erroneous thinking that... <clears throat> Um, that you can go it alone. Um, you know, many baby boomers kind of have a do-it-yourself mentality. They're used to going online and doing their own research, getting a quick solution to something online. Um, you know, they think that, <clears throat> you know, this is the, the best for financial planning as well, when in reality, the pitfalls can be numerous and can be very expensive in retirement. It's often akin to trying to diagnose your own medical condition. Um, So without proper counseling and help, you know, retirees typically will underestimate or overlook their financial needs. Um, They'll invariably uh, underestimate the effect of inflation on Mm -hmm. their retirement income. Yeah, that's a big one. It's a real big one. Yeah. And withdrawing money from their accounts during down markets, they won't have a plan for that. It takes sophisticated software and it takes running a lot of different scenarios to properly test for the whole range of possibilities. Also, I mean, people tend to become too focused on returns instead of focusing on their personal goals and their income needs. So avoid falling into this trap. Get help. You know, if you're like most people and you're not confident with that, you have the expertise and the resources to build a complete financial plan. And that leads us to our next blunder. Yeah. And the next one, Steve, is really not establishing a a real plan. I mean, you you really have to write this stuff down. You got to have a plan that includes a detailed budget, some long-term tax strategies as well. You know, and a lot of people don't understand that a financial plan really gives them the ability uh, to have a disciplined approach. You don't have to react to the um, to the market ups and downs. And, you know, it assures there's there's a way to address some unexpected events. Um, you know, calculators and spreadsheets are fine for giving you a starting place, but like you said, you have to have multiple scenarios. I remember we had a, um, in, in January of 2016, seems like forever, but it, the markets were down eight to 12% the first month. And right. we had a, a client meeting and talk, kind of talked about, um, you know, the markets and what were going on, what was going on. And I remember one of our clients said that she wasn't worried. Um, it was interesting. All of her coworkers were up in arms and so forth, but she had a plan and, you know, they were on track and they understood rebalancing and things like that. So it really does help to have, have a plan when you get in tough markets. Exactly. And you have those negative years already built into your plan, right? Right. So it's part of the plan. Yeah. The next one here though, John is playing it too safe. You know, retirees tend to, a lot of them tend to remember their parents using fixed income investments like CDs. And sometimes they forget that that these now do not keep up with inflation in today's world. You know, we could be in a low interest rate environment for many more years, and we may never see CDs north of 5% again in our lifetime. You know, nobody knows. Just because you can get an annuity, which pays a certain amount of guaranteed income each year, that doesn't mean that it's going to adequately keep up with inflation. In fact, annuities almost never account for inflation and give investors you know, the kind of that false sense of security is what they do because they, they don't inflate the income stream each year like you need to over the course of 20 or 30 years. 
So, I mean, that means that most retirees will still need a significant holding of equities in their portfolios throughout retirement to generate the income they need and allow for increases to cover inflation over time. You know, of course, you need to make sure that you're comfortable with the risk in your investments and, and the rest, um, <clears throat> you know, rest easy, knowing that you're that you can expect the markets to drop, but you know what's going to happen when they do drop. So, I mean, having said that, I mean, most retirees will need probably 50 to 60 percent in equities well into retirement if they plan to withdraw significant income out of their portfolios while keeping up inflation. So make sure you don't fall for kind of the guaranteed income illusion is what I call it. So don't play it too safe is one of the uh, the blunders. The blunders here you want to make sure you don't do. And the other one here, another one is not really downsizing. Um, you know, relocating doesn't always equal savings. And we talk to a lot of retirees that <clears throat> think that they're going to downsize, they're going to move, downsize, they're going to save money. In, re- in reality, they often don't save much money, if any, in such a move. I mean, for example, you know, if a client sells a $500,000 house, but they'll, they often might spend just as much purchasing a smaller but nicer house. And between the closing costs, buying and selling, moving, buying new furniture, you know, they could spend another $100,000 just kind of completing the move and getting everything the way they like it. So if you plan to downsize as part of your retirement plan, make sure that you get, that you can get an adequate home for significantly less than what you um, have in your current home before you pull the trigger on selling your current home. And be realistic about your expectations and your standards for a new home. If the move doesn't save you money, then, you know, and you can't afford the change, then certainly you need to plan accordingly. Yeah, that's right. You got to <clears throat> you got to do some planning on the house. That's a big piece of the puzzle. Another one here on the list, Steve, is not planning for parents. I mean, you know, there are some baby boomers that are financially supporting their their um, you know, elderly mothers and fathers, but only a small percentage really integrate that into the their financial needs of their own retirement plan. So, yeah, of course you need to help, you know, your parents if they need it, but um, you know, you got to do some planning associated with it. You know, it's this is obviously um, dependent on, on the financial situation of both parties. Sometimes I run into clients that their parents have long-term care insurance and yep. they're inquiring it for themselves because they've seen the, the, the cost associated with it. So, you know, a lot of clients avoid making these kind of decisions because they simply don't want to face them with the issue of, uh, of the, or the reality of what it means. But, you know, including the parents, that, that's important and can be very, very, you know, costly. Absolutely. Yeah. People tend to put blinders on and they don't really pay attention to many of the areas that could potentially devastate their retirement, like caring for elderly parents. So factor these into your retirement plans and have a strategy for handling this responsibility, you know, as their children, as you as you know, you you want to and should do. The last one here is failing to maximize Social Security. Um, yeah, many people are kind of of the mindset that they should start claiming Social Security benefits at the earliest possible time. Kind of the old bird in the palms worth two in the bush right, you know, type right. saying. Um, you know, they think if they collect it, you know, for a longer number of years, it'll be more beneficial. You know, they don't risk risk it changing in the future. Um, but that's not always the case. And it's it's usually not the case. I mean, married couples, for example, that are more <clears throat> than... Uh, 
There are more than 80 different strategies for how to claim Social Security for married couples, including spousal benefits and restricted applications. Um, You know, these strategies are not really well publicized, and the difference between the best decision and the worst decision of when to elect, it can mean well over $100,000, according to studies, over the course of your lifetime. So make a definite plan for when to draw Social Security and understand your options before you pull the trigger on that. So that's the last one here. A lot of blunders. A lot of blunders. You want to avoid those. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question is um, about RMDs, required minimum distribution. And it says, I'm turning 70 next year. In uh, 2018, do I have to take money out of my IRA? And the answer is, well, it depends. Uh, You know, the, the rule specifically is your first RMD has to be taken by the April the 1st of the year after you turn 70 and a half. So, um, so, so generally speaking, yes, you would, you would want to take it next year. Cause then if you don't, you're going to have two the following year. Um, but if you, if you don't get this right, it's very expensive, Steve, you'll have to pay a penalty of 50% of the RMD amount. So Ouch. you, you want to make sure that you're following the rules. We do see people with a lot of questions when you have multiple IRAs and 401ks and you have to be careful. If you have questions on your piece of it, you can certainly reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, all IRAs, like you said, you have to take a minimum required distribution at age 70 and a half. Generally, Roth IRAs are exempt from that. There's no RMD required for Roth. So that's another reason to own a Roth or maybe convert some money to a Roth. And also, if you're still working and you have money in a company plan, you don't have to take an RMD on it until you retire. Um, that's generally the case. So those are only two exceptions I can think of. But otherwise, yep, you got to plan on the RMD yep. and you want to make sure you don't miss that. Now, you don't have to spend it. A lot of our clients will pull it out and they'll sure. pay the tax bill and they'll put that into a brokerage account and let that, you know, accumulate over time. Yeah, we just move it automatically sometimes from a IRA to a joint account mm-hmm. or an individual account and just send off the taxes. Yep. So that's an easy way to handle it. All right. And that leads us up here to our... Next topic, and that is, does your estate plan have a gaping hole? Yeah, that's a good, good question. This is by Laura uh, Rozier. Uh, she uh, um, owns a business out there, and it's pretty, um, pretty good uh, topic. I mean, <clears throat> you know, most of the time people think about wealth and possessions, but, you know, your beliefs and values and, and even your wisdom could be the most treasured assets that you pass down to the ones that you love. So to get the ball rolling um, on a plan for that transfer – you could simply start by by writing a letter, right? I That's like right. that. I mean, yeah, I like it too. Just um, to kind of let your future, your heirs and your family know kind of where you stand, sure. and what, what your what all the history is. Yeah, I like that. And and so this lady said her father wrote um, a lovely letter right before he died. It was he. She said it is the most cherished thing that I own. Um, and a woman who she was advising about passing on non financial assets, um, you know, told her that, and she's heard similar statements from others. Um, She's also heard the opposite. She had, uh, she wished she had taken the time to to talk to her mother before she passed. And um, you know, it's it's sad. You really, some people don't get to know their grandparents, and there's really not a lot of things left behind. So, um, I know we've lost two family members. One of them was an extended illness um, that we were able to, yeah. you know, yeah. say goodbyes. The other one was uh, unexpected. So you just don't know. So you got to take time, make this an, um, a priority. And oftentimes people don't think about the intangibles they should pass on to their heirs. You know, estate planning is really wrapped up in transferring financial assets, um, you know, and that really becomes a focus. So once your, you know, your financial team handles, you know, the estate plan, then, you know, you've got to look at some other things. You've got life insurance, 
you know, you've got the trust um, to avoid the probate, you know, the executor. So all these are financially related, but there's some other things that, you know, we think you ought to think about as well. Yeah, for sure. I know I cherish the stories from my grandfather and my grandmother, you know, before they pass away. I mean, we still refer to those a lot. They Mm -hmm. said had some of the funniest sayings and some of the things that really meant a lot to us and, you know, about their history. And uh, we try to pass it on to our kids you know, so they'll know a little bit about their, their grandparents that they don't, may not, may not have known, Mm -hmm. you know, while they were around. But, you know, you have to also ask, what about your wisdom? What about your beliefs, your values, important family traditions, your stories? What about passing on critical knowledge about your business, about your money management or your other skills? You know, these questions bring to mind kind of an old African proverb when an old man dies, a library burns to the ground. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, that's true. A lot of know? history. A lot of history out there. I mean, in today's world with videos and things like that, I think you, you have a lot better tools for capturing that information. And uh, I wish we had been able to use it more before some of my grandparents passed yeah. away. But, right, uh, right. Yeah, so you want to try to take advantage of that. Yeah, so don't let your possessions become the only you know representations of your life. Whether you decide to take on a big project like writing a memoir or producing a uh, some type of documentary, um, keep your documentation process simple. Write a short letter detailing your principles, your feelings, um, you know, maybe your thoughts, your heritage, some life journeys um, are interesting and certainly extremely valuable to family members. And they become the foundation upon which your family members can build their lives. So share your wisdom with them. Yeah, absolutely. I know my grandfather, oh, my Kathy's <clears throat> dad was talking the other week when we were over at his house and he kind of was in the mood to talk and tell some of the stories. And I pulled up my phone and just recorded a little bit of it, yeah. you know, just to capture some of the, a little bit of that story that he was telling. And uh, it's just it's very special. You know, you want to definitely make sure you do that. Yeah, there was a study conducted at Emory University that showed that kids who know about their family's past are more empathetic, they have better uh, coping skills, and they have higher self-esteem. So there are other benefits as well to passing on your life stories, you know, from <clears throat> decreasing depression in older adults to connecting with family and building trust to increasing the likelihood of a successful wealth transfer. So there's a lot of intangibles involved with this. So you want to take advantage of that. Yeah. And there's kind of three types of assets that are broken into these categories, character assets, um, you know, your, your relationships, values, um, spirituality, heritage, life experiences, um, you know, things like that, that you can share and document. Also your intellectual assets, you think about your business systems and skills, um, tradition, some of the wisdom that you've learned, um, just from living. And also, you know, most people think about the financial assets. You've got the investments and possessions and so forth. And certainly the financial assets are relatively easy to pass along because there's a physical form and, you know, legal documents and vehicles such as trust and foundations. Um, but some of these other ones are more difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. And the challenge with character and intellectual assets is giving them the same kind of physicality that financial assets are given, you know, even though your mother's love, your memories of summers at your grandparents' house and the lessons you learn throughout your life may be more important to you than your car. You know, there's still the problem of turning those feelings, thoughts and insights into something that can be passed on to others. 
Yeah, so this is kind of where the legacy vehicles come in. And <clears throat> I mean, this is interesting. You know, you start looking at, um, you know, trying to pass some of these on. Um, you know, you can have a, a physical structure, a box or something that you put biographies in, special books, letters, videos, um, audio files. Uh, the significance of these items, you know, em- emphasized by how artfully you capture them. And it's really, um, you know, it's an essence um, of, of kind of what you want your family to discover. So, you know, and there's a reason why great literature or maybe, you know, masterful artwork or thought-provoking film are so valued. It really is the artistic component that helps an audience interpret these events and connect with emotions. So your legacy vehicle should be crafted with the same kind of care. Um, you know, I kind of think through this, and I'm not real creative on some of this right. stuff. So, it, you know, it, it would take Tammy and I sitting down and, and, you know, coming up with a strategy and a plan. Cause I think one of the, <clears throat> one of the things I struggle with is, uh, I mean, the financial piece of it is easy, right? We, we do that daily and we think about it all the time, but, um, there's just so much, there's so many different places, like there's videos and you just have something on your phone and we used to have pictures, but mm-hmm. now everything's on the computer. That's right. And it's just scattered all over the place. It's just in, in our world, it's That's just, right. it's just not organized. And, um, yeah, it'd so. be, it'd be nice to get all that electronic <clears throat> so that you could kind of put it together in a file and say, you know, this is, this is your grandfather, you know, this is the kind of the recordings and pictures and other things, you know, you know, documents from his childhood of your grandfather and have it all in one place on the mm-hmm. computer that you could share easily with mm-hmm. your family and pass that around. But yes, yeah, some kind of way of organizing, I think is the key. We we have a, a tradition and it's not a tradition. Uh, we're trying to make it a tradition. So when I was growing up, my parents would take um, videos of us coming down for Christmas. And, okay. and so we were, you know, very, very young and it's on those old reels. And so, my parents still had that original projector and they put it on there and our family, I mean, our kids love sitting around watching that. And so I think I'm going to put that on my to-do list to take those and digitize them. It's fun to sit it on, watch it on the right. original, right. you know, but it's not going to last. So. Yeah. I, my, my father passed on to me <clears throat> hundreds of slides. You know, he used to use slide projectors. And so he had all these, all these little slides, mm-hmm. you know, that were, that he had taken pictures over the years when he was in the Marine Corps and all throughout his, you know, life basically. And so he had, we had boxes of these. And so I bought a slide scanner Mm. for that back probably 10 years ago and uh, paid good money for it. You know, a scanner that would scan slides. And I used it just for that purpose. I scanned every one of those and put it on the computer that's cool. So now I have all his pictures, yeah, everything. I think I'm going to do that. That'll and be a 2018 we, project. Yeah, and then we also scanned <laughs> everything else that we could find, you know, that, that had a picture and put it all in the same file. So we do have that. So it was pretty cool. We yeah. haven't really put it all together with everything, but but it's a start. Yeah, so yeah I like it's it. It's cool. All right. Well, that brings us to a close. Well, no, actually, we're going to finish here with the prescription of the week. That's right. This prescription is to live like a secret Rich person. A secret rich person. Secret rich person. So that means that people don't know that you're wealthy because you're not spending on items that people would think, you know, go with wealth. Really interesting example, this guy out in Las Vegas, he and his wife uh, were making $500,000 a year, and they used to live like secret rich people, which meant they um, spent about $2,500 per month on on everything. So that's $30,000 a year, and they banked the rest of it, and they were able to retire early. And he said he had an aha moment. He was watching MTV and LL Cool J, who was probably making millions upon millions, he was leasing a Honda Accord for 400 bucks a month. And nice. and other rappers were going broke. So 
um, to live like a secret rich person. I like Even that. if you're not rich, <laughs> yeah. live like you would be the millionaire next door. You're That's very right. conservative. And eventually you will be rich, but then keep living like that. Right. Driving used cars, doing Roth accounts, right. paying yourself, right. staying out of debt, things like that. that and that's usually the way, you, whenever we find, when we see clients that they have kind of made it themselves, haven't inherited it, they've accumulated over the lifetime, they live like the secret rich person mm-hmm. or the millionaire next door. That's right. They live very conservatively, frugally, and, you know, they enjoy some of their money, but mm -hmm. they don't go out there and just, you know, spend 105% of their income. That's right. That's right. So good, good prescription of the week. I like it. Okay. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Do tune in next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us at MoneyMD. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 